Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravella, co-host of the show. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. Well, Tyler, you know, professional organizations are important in all in, in all kinds of uh, walks of life. And Truly. along the American Shoreline, there's some really key organizations that uh, help the professions move forward. Many people in our audience have heard of the American Society of Civil Engineers, which is one of the oldest engineering professional organizations in the United States. But I bet they haven't heard of the independent and affiliated chapter underneath ASCE called the uh, called the Coast, Oceans, Ports and Rivers Institute. And we're going to talk about that today. Well, I am really looking forward to it, Peter. I I'll tell you, a coast, oceans, rivers, ports and rivers, ports, ports, very important. Uh And rivers Institute Institute is right up our alley. Yeah. And uh, obviously a ton of important engineering work that goes into those facilities. Yeah, they're key, uh, one of the key professions on the American shoreline. And we've got a couple of great guests with us today to talk about Copri. Uh, Chris Weber is the vice president of the Texas chapter of Copri and also a practicing civil engineer with Anchor QEA, an exceptionally fine coastal engineering organization. And we're also joined by Joseph Scarborough, uh, who is the president of the Texas chapter of Copri and a project manager with the Jacobs Engineering Group. So we've got a couple of great guys to talk about Copri. We do. We do. We have a couple of great folks uh, to explore this organization uh, we've got local chapters. We've got a national uh, entity there, kind of command and control at the yeah. at the national level. And I just got to say before we get into it, we got two guests with uh, like famous names. Chris Weber <laughs> is a, of course a basketball player, and Joe Scarborough that's is right. a television person. So that's well, kind of cool. And a former congressman from and a former Florida Panhandle. Totally. Yeah. No, I ne- I had never thought of that. Chris Weber. We're going to be yeah, we're going to be Fab good. Five. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was just a little uh, coincidence that I thought we'd share with the audience uh, before we get into it. But before we actually get into it, ladies and gentlemen, we need to pay the bills. So let's have a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at LJA.com. Coastal Transplants. Coastal Transplants offers high-quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, and the skilled and respectful crews to get your project built. Make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring the dune and wetland ecology of your home or barrier island. Learn more at coastaltransplants.com. Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They handle your dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable dune walkover on the market. Learn more at dunesciencegroup.com. And be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. 
Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Well, Chris, welcome to the show. And Joseph, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules uh, in September to talk to us on the American Shoreline podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, I think president is the guy who gets to go first. And so, Joseph, uh, if you wouldn't mind, could you in our, introduce our audience to Copri and the Texas chapter that you lead? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, th- once again, thanks for having us. So just a, a little bit of an overview of what, what Copri does. And I guess it all starts with our chapter mission. And what we tend to do and, and engage our, our community and our membership is we really try to foster communication amongst members in government, industry, and academia. So as you can imagine, going along the, you know, the Gulf Coast shoreline, those three entities interact you know, just about any every project from state government to port authorities to, to industry moving cargo up and down you know, ship channels and that sort of thing. So we really think that with that mission, we really try to foster that that collaboration amongst those three groups. The chapter that we have here locally uh, is a statewide chapter, as opposed to uh, you know like a local city chapter, that sort of thing. And uh, we manage it through the Houston branch uh, registration and website and that sort of stuff. Um, we utilize the branch infrastructure, which helps us out with um, managing the chapter and that sort of thing. Joseph, before before we get into uh, all of the nitty gritty, help our audience understand just how big this this chapter is. We, of course, know here on the American Shoreline podcast and on the American Shoreline podcast network, we talk a lot about the coastal issues of the uh, Houston Galveston Bay Area. And of course, this chapter represents uh, Texas at large. So how many how many folks are members and uh, what what? how frequently do you guys meet? Like what's, what's the vibe here in this organization? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, membership statistics are important. So statewide, we've got 325 members. Wow. And yeah. And of those 325 members, 176 are members within the greater Houston area. Chris, if you could, what kind of professional uh, should be a member of Copri? Who, who, who professionally benefits from being part of this organization? Uh, it's one of the great things about COPRI. Um, even though we reside under uh, the American Society of Civil Engineers, which is a professional engineering society, the the COPRI Institute, um, so that, that's our, our RAS, right? The Redundant Acronym Syndrome. syndrome. Um, the, the, the COPRI Institute, um, you don't have to be a member of ASCE. You don't have to be a professional engineer to join COPRI. Um, you can have anyone that is involved with the coast, with the ports, the, the port facility managers, um, anyone involved with the ocean or anyone that just has interest in some of the, the COPRI topics, um, speakers, you can join COPRI and, and not have to be part of the professional engineering side of it. You, mm. you can do it as simple, simply as a, an interest in the topics. I like that. You know, the American Society of Civil Engineers, I'm just looking at the website, uh, founded in 1852. Woo! Yeah. It's an old institution. Pre, Pre-Civil War and, and driven by the engineering profession. And this is one of the things I noticed about the Institute that Joseph and Chris run is it's not an inch, it's not limited to engineering professionals. So, uh, and it's a little bit like, you know, what we try to do on Coastal News today. You've got to be able to reach the whole Break down the barriers. Break down the barriers. So this is Coasts, Ocean, Ports, and Rivers Institute. I love that. I, like I love the, that I like we the, got all those guys. Yeah. 
in one group. Why is that important, Chris, that the organization has this broad professional focus uh, that is not strictly limited to the engineering profession? Uh, it's a great question, Peter. Um, when you look at the organizations that you have along the coast, specifically in Texas, you have um, groups like the WIDA, uh, the Western Dredging Association, ASBPA, uh, MTS, the Marine Technology Society. Each of these groups bring a specific interest or specific idea. Uh, but as you know, on the coast, we touch on a lot of different areas um, on the water side, on the coastal zone management, coastal zone interface side, and even the upland side, um, the, the dry side of the water line. So bringing all of the professionals yeah. that have an interest and a skill set to, to address the questions and help us find solutions, uh, we, we very much believe that many hands make light work. So we like to bring as many big thinkers and problem solvers to the to the table to answer some of those big questions. Well, I definitely see the value in that. And yeah, I do too. We, uh, Joe, I'll, uh, Joseph, I'll, I'll ask you uh, this question. Uh, what, like, last meeting, what were you guys talking about at the last <laughs> Copri uh, Texas chapter meeting? What's on the agenda these days? Yeah, so the last <clears throat> quarterly meeting we held was back in August, and we were talking about the McFadden project that uh, Texas uh, General Land Office doing out in East Texas uh, and trying to restore, they were doing a pilot project to try to restore uh, that, that shoreline there. And it was, uh, we actually had folks from, from the GLO present um, on that project and it was very enlightening to a lot of the membership. You know, uh, I, Joseph, I attended that meeting. It was a virtual meeting August 11th uh, at the recommendation of one of my colleagues at the LJA engineer, Robin Warwick. And it was really a great meeting, I have to say. And the uh, presentation quality from the general land office staff was outstanding. It was a great way to catch up. And uh, it made me want to be a regular member. And I was glad to see when I looked at the uh, Copri website that I didn't have to be an engineer to join it because that means I could I can't be a member. We, us, us slackers over here, right. they don't yeah. have that, you know, that kind of laugh brain. <laughs> we, we don't have the P.E. That's right. Uh, no P.E. here. But uh, Chris, and uh, if I can start with you on this, uh, there was a group of people in Texas that started this chapter of Copri. It, uh, I understand it was uh, formed in 2015, so it's been five years. Tell us about the origin of the organization, who was involved, and why did you want to start a Copri chapter? Um, it, it's a good question, and I will help. Uh, I'll ask Joseph to help me pull up all the names that we need to holler out at. Um, it was pretty obvious that um, the COPRI mission fit very soundly inside of a lot of the coastal science that was was ongoing along the Texas coast. And it, it was a really good time where there was a handful of us that got together at the same time with the same idea, uh, deciding that we needed to organize into a professional society and bring some of the, the technical expertise to bear. So the, the founding executive committee members um, were... Joseph Scarborough, um, Ashley Judith, uh, Aaron Horine. Um, who am I missing, Joseph? Uh, David Casebeer, Richard David Casebeer with the Port of Houston Authority. Um, Richard Ruheft, also with the Port of Houston Authority. And Maddie Uralli. Ural That's right. Um, and, and Maddie was there. She, she has since um, moved on from her position, um, and we backfilled our executive committee with a few new members. Um, Robin Warwick um, from LJA, um, and also um, Philip Bachmar from AECOM. I, I should also mention that Ashley Judith works for AECOM. Um, Sam Shailu um, works for Moffat Nickel. So we, we have a, a pretty good mix of 
professional consultants and um, Port of Houston Port Authority um, leadership. So it, yeah. it's a really good mix. It's a great mix because it's linking together the port operations people, the engineering and technical consulting community that uh, helps run these things. Uh, you mentioned that this is the Texas chapter, uh, is the statewide organization for COPRI here in the great state uh, we all live in. And when you look up and down the coast, we have one of the most, uh, one of the busier coastlines uh, when it comes to ports and waterways in the United States with the Gulf Intercoastal Waterway and five major, is it five deep water draft channels that we've got ports on the Texas coast? Uh, Getting there for sure. It's, we've got a lot, a lot to think about here on the Texas coast. And uh, when you're looking at this, uh, Joseph, up and down the Texas coast, what are the major issues that that uh, are in the purview and the scope of your organization. What are you guys thinking about and trying to tackle? Well, you know, one of the one of the first and foremost things is protecting you know um, infrastructure that we build from from storm surge or or storm damage. And the other thing is restoration, uh, trying to restore our shorelines to you know help help further the first the first mission, which you know restored shorelines and wetlands also help with dampening the damage of storm storm surge and that, those effects. But the, the other thing is that, too, is that we've got to look at, you know, trying to move commerce and keep commerce going. With, specifically with the Port of Houston Authority and the Houston Ship Channel, we, we move a lot of cargo, containerized cargo, which is very, very important for the region and for our continued growth, along with uh, the movement of oil and gas, um, liquid bulk products. And so, you know, trying to have all of those types of goals to come together, it takes a wide, diverse of, of folks from different um, different backgrounds, not, you know, more you know, engineers and scientists and also people within within government and authority uh, to work together to get these be as successful. So, Joseph, uh, I, I imagine, you know, given the fact that we're talking about the Houston Port Authority and we're talking about the McFadden shoreline, I mean, these are uh, there's some pretty heavy uh state government here we'll start here with this with the texas chapter eventually i will we'll discuss this on a national level but i'm curious uh does copri at least at the state level uh engage in any sort of you know lobbying or uh, work in the legislature? yeah you know, we can call it educating call it educating I or think. or or you know activism in the state legislature or whatnot you know even at, at local levels uh, to advocate for projects or, you know, standards, I suppose, on coastal and oceans and ports uh, projects. I'll ask Chris to chime in on this one. Uh, but a lot of what the local, like the Texas chapter does, we do not get involved in, in some of the advocation for projects or lobbying uh, lawmakers and that sort of thing. We're involved individually on on into projects with different entities and, and try to steer some of those projects as we can. But uh, Chris, did you want to comment? I know uh, you're involved with another organization, I think, that does some of that. Um, oh. Absolutely. Um, so the the real point is that this could almost be considered a, a grassroots chapter and, and that we have the volunteers that are practitioners. Um, so we we educate through doing good project, good science, um, delivering good projects to the coast, um, designing good infrastructure. The more political side, the more legislative side, that rolls up more under the, the national umbrella. The, the national COPRI has a much wider 
reach into some of those uh, political realms where the funding and the the larger policy is is managed. Um, so on the state level, we really just try and focus on engaging on a, a project level. So we're working with the general land office, we're working with the ports, we're working with the, the local stakeholders, the cities and municipalities mm-hmm. as, as a byproduct of the work that we're doing with the chapter itself and then on the projects that we're working with. It makes a lot of sense. It's an important organization in the sense that it gathers together this broad community of professionals who are dedicated to coastal management, I would say broadly, but certainly coastal projects, uh, as you as you mentioned, Joseph, restoring shorelines, protecting infrastructure, and paying attention to commerce in our ports and waterways in in Texas. Um, what I'm what I'm wondering about is when I think of what we we recently had uh, a, a really good interview about the. Uh, Texas about the 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 coastal spine project in in Galveston That's right, Bay. Yeah. That was why am I blanking on his Jim name? Jim Blackburn. Jim Blackburn was on with the Rice Speed Center was on, and we've had Kelly Burke's Copes on from the Corps of Engineers, <clears throat> and I've got to think this is one of the most expensive coastal planning projects or projects upcoming on the Texas coast. And I wonder, uh, as you guys are centered a great deal in Houston. Uh, is that project an active discussion amongst the COPRI members, and what does it sound like? Uh, it's a great question, Peter. I'll, I'll jump in on this one, Joseph. Um, that, that is such a big project that we are paying attention and have been paying attention to the, the iterations that have been developing over the past five years. Um, so it is, it is clearly an issue. There are a lot of challenges. We are all aware of the design that's being moved forward. Um, we are not actively engaging any of the conversations with the speed center or with Texas A&M, um, or even directly with the army Corps of engineers. Right. Um, th- those decisions are being made, uh, in, in a realm that is above what we're trying to accomplish with the, the Texas chapter for COVID. Right. So we're, we're trying to focus on the implementation side. So as, as we're hearing these conversations, um, I think many of us have our own opinions about what we think um, should or shouldn't be done. So when uh, they elect me president, I suppose I'll, I'll have a more direct role in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you do. I, 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 mean, I would say that I hope that a future chat. This is a chapter meeting I would look forward to going to. So I'm making I'm making a pitch here. Um, I thought that the last chapter meeting you guys had that focused on the shoreline management projects and beach restoration up on the north part of the Texas coast was great. I would love to hear a, a, a really thorough, interesting evaluation or discussion of the Coastal Spine Project and the future of the Port of Houston and the Mid-Bay Park Program that uh, Jim Blackburn and the Speed Center have talked about. There's just, as you said, Chris, this is a 20 to $30 billion investment over time. Um, it is absolutely critical to the future economic uh, performance of the Port of Houston. It is about protecting the petrochemical complex around Galveston Bay. So it really hits the issues that you guys mentioned as your focus. So so my, that's my pitch for the organization is, is uh, bring in the great speakers so we can. Well, have, I, I, I'll just them. I'll second that. And what <clears throat> comes to mind immediately is that that's a meeting that uh, I would want to attend, and yeah. I also think there'd be people all over the American shoreline who'd find that interesting, particularly yeah. what comes to mind is what's going on in New York, which is just so similar 
uh, and they're you know this is our mo, Pete. Yeah. But this is you know we we really believe that we can that we need to be learning from one another. And with a project that big on the Texas coast, with the hurricane considerations that Joseph mentioned just a few minutes ago, yeah, I mean we're talking about. A, the nation's third largest city with the busiest petrochemical zone yeah. in a hurricane zone. This is the engineering uh, problem there is mind boggling. So, yeah, <laughs> we all got to be pulling together in the same direction. Bigger than that, to, to some extent, and that we're still trying to invent some of the technology. We're still trying to identify a lot of the natural resources that are going to be necessary for the scope and scale of the project. So we are in active conversations um, with the, the general land office, with the Army Corps of Engineers, with the project managers, um, with the city and local stakeholders, because they all need a voice in this, because it is so big, because it is the, the ramifications both, and it, and it falls directly in Copri, the ramifications on the ocean side, the, the coastal side, the beach side, and then the upland infrastructure side is critical um, in the long run over the course of this project over uh, what is scheduled to be a, a 20, 30 year project, we're going to see a lot of change, a, a lot of um, very interesting challenges that are going to have to be not only identified, but solutions identified to meet those challenges. Yeah, and I think it goes back to a lot of the reason why we have our, our mission and is really we're trying to, if you look at that project and the scale of it, right, and how many people are involved, fostering that communication now amongst the government, industry, and academia is just so important that you're going to need everybody to be on the same page, working together in the same same type of motion to do a project like that successfully. I agree. I yeah, agree. Too. Now, I want to. Uh, I just want to ask one final question while we're at the chapter level, because we've got we've got these three pillars of of the membership. I guess we can say we've got government. Well, we got the industry. We heard from all these founding members from these great uh, uh, engineering firms, including yours, Peter. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the government side, which makes a ton of sense because these are yeah. the uh, project sponsors oftentimes. The and checkbook readers. They, they are. They represent the public's interest in these things, which uh, these are all publicly funded, I would say, projects, the ones we're talking yeah. about anyway. Yeah. And then we have the academic piece, which uh, we're very interested in as well. This the The researchers, the people who are looking at this from the lens of the ivory tower. Yeah. Joseph, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, Copri's relationship with the outstanding academic institutions here on the Texas coast. Well, we've, we interface, uh, we've, you know, we've actually held our, uh, our fall conference at both Rice and the University of Houston, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. And so we're always trying to engage uh, more folks, uh, you know, on the professor level, but also we've engaged uh, somewhat with the, the Speed Center and, and the folks there. Um, also, uh, but the other big other big thing, I guess, on the academia side, and Chris can talk a little bit more about how we engage um, kind of moving forward with, with the academia side, but the other initiative that I'm involved a lot with is trying to expand our, our, our awareness of the chapter and membership within the students that are actually up and coming. Uh, and the four-year institutions in Texas. So, we're we are we are working with student chapters, uh, establishing new chapters, and and trying to get reconnected with existing student chapters within Texas. But, Chris, could you talk a little bit about our our connections with academia and what we've done so far? Absolutely. Um, I believe Robin Warwick from LJA when we did our last chapter meeting that was with a professor out of Lamar University, 
in, in Beaumont. So we have an, an active engagement with the professors that are involved in, in the same areas. And as y'all can tell from, from Copri, we've got a pretty wide scope. Uh, we work a lot with Texas A&M, uh, Dr. Jens Figlis in the Texas A&M Galveston campus, and Dr. Rusty Fegan in the Texas A&M College Station campus. Um, and we engage many people, again, for for the science of it. Um, and part of the, the COPRI mission, in a broader sense, is to identify um, – appropriate conferences and, and ways to distribute, mm-hmm. to collect and distribute the information. So on the national level, we have the ICCE, the International Conference on Coastal Engineering, Solutions to Coastal Disasters, uh, Coastal Dynamics Conferences that, that COPRI is all involved with. Um, and a lot of those larger national positions are filled by academics, um, either through Arctic, the Engineering Research and Design Center in Vicksburg, or the individual universities, Texas A&M, Oregon State University, Rhode Island University. Right. So, so there's a very strong commitment nationally from the, the, the technical colleges, the, the engineering programs at the universities to provide not only the professorial academics, but also bringing in the students and the student chapters for them to find pathways into these professional organizations. Good stuff. And, and as, as Joseph was mentioning, that's, that's part of our objective is um, as we move forward, as we try and grow the organization in Texas, we want to not only engage with the academic professors, but their students. You got to get them early. It, it's so it's a challenge, right? When you have usually master students, you have them as the most dedicated, to some extent, the PhDs. But then they they graduate out of school and then they go do their jobs. So you can spend a lot of time engaging with the students, but. Uh, giving them the opportunity and the breadth of information to recognize that this is a, a critical pathway, not only mm-hmm. for developing their academics, but engaging in, and eventually some of the larger policy decisions that, that COPRI has um, the ability to influence and talk to. You know, I, I, I just want to take a minute and uh, ruminate on that, on this uh, subject, because I find it to be uh, one of the more interesting things. I, yeah. I yesterday, uh, which for all of you out there in podcast land will not be really yesterday, but my yesterday, I recorded a pod uh, with uh, a woman from an organization overseas and she like, we're, this will be coming out on the network soon, y'all. So, you know, you'll be waiting with bated breath, I'm sure. But um, it was a, uh, it was a shaped by the sea episode. Okay. And she was a really interesting woman. Uh, the, the organization is called the, green teen team and they're overseas they're in uh england and italy um and she and was actually founded by a princess a royal a royal really and she's young yeah she's like a little greta okay i I hope i hope that's not insulting she's she's a young leader okay and um you know she's like a royal so i don't want to insult her uh, on no, the pod, no, we can't. They're, they'll yeah. send people. We to need, talk we to need, us. we need the royals yeah, to no, like we, us. But, but on this pod, she was talking about this exact same problem, Chris, that you were talking about, which is that I mean, obviously, she's dealing with younger people here, but she's talking about how when you're tr- when you're a young person and you're trying to c- sculpt your career and find a way to make an impact, it can be really difficult to show any longitudinality 
outside of the known tracks. And I think that one of the things that this organization really offers to young people, in addition to the networking and kind of the mentorship, you know, the yeah. you can find a mentor in this organization for sure, but it allows you to see, as we like to say, the, the landscape the scale of the work that's to be done. Yeah. And that, that I think, you know, Chris, in, in the long run, as you grow the organization, I, I imagine that you're going to have, uh, you know, college students that learn of the organization, maybe as undergrads, certainly, you know, at the graduate level, they'd be focused enough to, to hear about it and learn about it. And then once they're in, I think that the relationship with the organization kind of changes, you know, it starts off out as kind of a, you know, periscope depth, you can kind of take a look out there, see what's going on. And then eventually, you know, it becomes part of your professional yeah. uh, infrastructure in your career. So I, I just think that that's great. It's great to focus on those uh, people earlier, earlier in their career who are trying to find a path in, in the midst of, you know, a changing world. It's a good point. Um, you can kind of see it in the, in the broader sense on the societal scale where we have a lot of the workforce aging out that it really becomes a succession question as how do you backfill some of these great organizations? How do you demonstrate to the, to the young students that that these professional organizations are are truly the path to leading the industry and and having a, a true leadership role in some of the decision making and policy making that is being influenced not only regionally or statewide but on a national level so it's 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 very good to get that type of a uh, information down to the students so they're at least aware of it I, I, it's the strength of it i'm becoming a bigger fan of copri the more i hear you guys talk about it uh because I think that what what Tyler's mentioning and what you're talking about is was 100% true. So for all you Texas A&M Aggies out there, of which I am one, uh, at A&M Corpus Christi or A&M Galveston, uh, you know, get your student membership to Copri in the Texas chapter. And we can't leave out UTMSI and UTRGV. The, the University of Texas's coastal university presence is strong. We got we got Lamar University and Rice University, and I know I'm leaving other schools out, but this really is because of the breadth and the chance for if if you're a young professional, the chance to to hang out with Chris and 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 Joseph and your board membership of senior practicing coastal professionals. If you're a young person. And the variety of disciplines that are involved in trying this. to figure out how you're going to do it. This is damn good. This is what you should join. This would be the thing I would join. And I would also just say, and uh, Joseph and Chris, uh, let me know if this is accurate. I, there are other chapters too around the American shoreline, ladies and gentlemen. So if yeah. if you're not in Texas and you're not a, a student at any of those fine uh, schools that Peter just mentioned, there might be another chapter yeah. uh, out there near you that you might want to check out as well. Yeah, can you guys tell our audience a little bit about the national organization and other other chapters? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll jump in here on this one, Joseph. Um, so the the national chapters that we have for Copri National, we have one in in Boston, in Cleveland. We have a Hawaii chapter, a Los Angeles chapter, Louisiana, the New York Met section, the New Jersey chapter, the Seattle chapter, and the South Florida chapter. So we've got the East and West and South Coast covered. Um, and, and of course, the Texas chapter. Um, and to your point previously, Peter, the student chapters that we have encompass Louisiana State University, North Carolina State University, Oregon State University, Stephen Institute of Technology, which is in New Jersey, yeah. 
Uh, we have a University of Rio de Janeiro chapter, University of Delaware, huh. University of Florida, University of Maine, University of North Florida, and the Virginia Tech chapter. Wow. So we, we have a lot of input from the professors at those, specifically those academic institutions that bring their students into the conversation. And then the professional chapters themselves are all over the United States that have a very similar role. And it's one of the unique parts of COPRI is that we have a very broad yeah. mission statement that when you're talking about coasts, oceans, rivers, and ports, you're really just talking about wherever you have water, meat, and land. Yeah. Um, that's that's where we're interested. That's where we have people that are, are bringing their expertise and their skills to bear. That so the, sounds the, great. The, the overall COPRI mission is to serve as a multidisciplinary and international leader in improving knowledge, education, development, practice of civil engineering, and other disciplines in the sustainable management of coastal, ocean, port, waterways, rivering, and wetland resources for the benefit of all society. So we mm -hmm. don't take half measures at COPRI. We, we have very, yeah. a very high ideals. We have a very um, high-minded approach for how we can tackle some of the, the big thinking problems. I love it. Um, and we've got some some good leadership on the national level. Um, Lori Burnell is the president of COPRI, of the COPRI governing board, and Steve Ballant is vice president. Um, and Lori is in Houston. She's the Port of Houston um, channel director, I believe. Hmm. Um, and Steve Ballant also is in Houston. Um, so we're very fortunate in the Texas chapter that we actually have pretty close access to the COPRI national leadership team. Um, just from proximity. Man, I tell you, I love the breadth of it. And when you look around, what, what we do at Coastal News Today and on ASPN is we also try to take this broad, multidisciplinary, multi-economic viewpoint of the shoreline and the challenges that are happening at the land-water interface uh, around the world, not just in the United States, are getting more intense and difficult to contend with. And it's the professional class of uh, folks who deal with these matters, who are called in to develop solutions and develop designs and to try to sort this stuff out, uh, to have an organization that is as broadly focused and multidisciplinary as you guys are, I think is exactly 100%. Joseph, I completely agree with your comment earlier where you said we've got to get everybody talking to each other. We have to be aware of all of these things together and we've got to reach out. And uh, so I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be the commercial for it. You got to join Copri out there, folks, if you're a coastal professional and you're looking for a home where you can work with and engage with coastal engineers and the biology community and the surveying, you know, all of the disciplines, the ports and waterway operators. This is the organization uh, that brings them all together. Um, one of the things Tyler and I complain about all the time are these these organizations that are so narrowly focused. Uh the Dredgers Conference, no offense to the Dredgers. We love the Dredgers to keep all the waterways going. But love love it. You know, the, you know. But but the the scope of what they're thinking about is so focused uh, that you, you leave a lot out. Um, right. And you guys are trying to I, whoever came up with Copri was smart. I think it was a damn good conception. Well, it was. And I'll just I'll just add on that, you know, we're not saying that the the Dredgers Conference is a bad thing at all, or that the professor who's down in the bunker working on you know, some crustacean that nobody's heard of is uh, shouldn't be doing that at all. The The point is that we need to balance our expertise and our specialty with 
communication and sharing the knowledge that we're and technique that we're learning. And uh, it's becoming, I think, increasingly important, as I like to call it, I call it the swirl. It's a swirl. You got to be able to swirl your uh, your expertise into this kind of melting pot of adaptivity, which yeah. is increasingly becoming the driving factor on the American shoreline. Yeah. That's my thinking on it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. I, I agree. Very smart organization. Now, let's learn a little bit more about the national yeah. group. So where where is the national organization headquartered, Joseph? It's headquartered uh, just outside of Washington, D.C. We actually share the same building with uh, ASCE. Oh, wow. Cool. And so be, being in D.C., I would assume that that's uh, related to uh, what is that? Is that a lobbying position like there to get into the halls of Congress? Or is that because there's, you know, it's the it's the uh, nation's capital? I, I mean, what what is the reason for being in uh, the D.C. area? Uh, a little bit of both. And one of the one of the main things, if you went back to ASCE, kind of COPRI falls back up within ASCE's umbrella. But ASCE is really the, the main lobbying um, aspect, you know, for different bills that come in and out of Congress and, you know, where ASCE or COPRI might have something that they want to push that, you know, we have the opportunity to go through ASCE to do that. They keep, they hire former staffers of, of Congress, Congress people, and, and they know how to get in and out of yeah. Congress and do things and that sort of stuff. So it's strategic, uh, you know, primarily for, for that being close to the lawmakers. Yeah, it makes sense to me. It matters because so much of infrastructure spending, whether it's waterway infrastructure through WERDA uh, or civil engineering investment, highways, roads, water systems, all of that is federally funded. So to have the engineers in D.C. talking to congressional members, talking about the needs for infrastructure in the United States is important. And I think it's a good educational role and they're advocating for the investment of the resources needed uh, out there. So I don't, you know, to me, lobbying has yeah. never been a bad word. I, well, yeah, I don't. I, I'm, I'm not I'm, using I'm not it in a negative <laughs> context at all. It is. We can call it education. We can call it. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I. I mean, I, to me, it's just. It's. I think you're exactly right. I mean, so many of these projects. Say, for example, the Houston project. Yeah. I mean, this is an Army Corps of Engineers led. Yeah. Uh, design project. Of course, the state is going to have its piece of the pie, but the federal government is going to, you know, driving presumably it. is driving in is also going to pay for a big chunk of it. And boy, is it in the best interest of all of the practitioners out there to have someone in the ear of the lawmakers up there in the beltway. Yeah. And pushing them in the right direction. Well, here's what I want to do, Tyler, because we don't often get to sit down and talk to a couple of smart coastal engineers at the same time on the on the American Shoreline podcast. But and Chris, I know because we were talking about setting the show up that you were over in Florida yesterday. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about and get y'all's personal uh, insights into what when you're looking at your professional careers uh, and what you're engaged in, uh, what issues do you think are jumping out uh, that are in need of attention or that are challenges to the profession that you guys are in as coastal engineering professionals? Um, what's happening on the American shoreline you think over the next 10 years we're going to have to get better at? Uh, Chris, do you want to go first? Absolutely. Um, and it, and it kind of ties back to what we were saying about the, the COPRI um, being located in Washington, D.C. So the, the institute director is a, a guy named Tom Chase. He, he does a really good job of advocating for COPRI inside of the ASCE framework. Um, one of the things that came up this 
past leadership summit that we had in Reston, Virginia, um, was the ability to get the coastal infrastructure included on the overall United States national report card for infrastructure. Hmm. And actually getting the, the coastal infrastructure, and this is the ports, oceans, and riverside where, where the literally where the water meets the land, where you have an infrastructure component to those areas, we are going to have to have a, a much better handle on what our true vulnerabilities are, what our true resilience is or is not, and where our baseline actually exists so that as we move forward in – the the new normal which seems to be higher intensity storms and more of them we need to have a a baseline for how we can evaluate projects both for for construction design life but also for the ability to manage and mitigate some of the costs and some of the risks by not putting those coastal infrastructure projects in place Hmm. And, and i think that's a huge challenge um it's big money it's big thinking it's a lot of dedicated thought on how, how you define the problem initially and then how you break that down into manageable pieces. Right. So it, it's by no means a, a simple answer. And I think it's critical for us to understand where we are so we can start addressing some of those those deep issues that we have. Well, that's what engineers are good at. Figure out what the baseline is, look at the alternatives <clears throat> from the no action alternative through a variety of options and pick the best. Uh, Joseph, when you're looking at issues along the American shoreline or Texas, if that's where you're most familiar, uh, what jumps out at you as challenges uh, over the next 10 years? I think access and keeping our access to our waterways uh, open and then also expanding our waterways to for the impacts of the, you know, the larger ships coming in through the uh, Panama Canal. Um, <clears throat> big focus here on, on having more deep water uh, ports either for the movement of containerized cargo uh, here in Houston or moving larger pe- uh, petrochemical or oil type cargo down in Corpus Christi. Yeah, we should. It- well, I, I'm going to talk. Um, thank you for mentioning those, because I think to me, when I think of what's going on on the Gulf shoreline, not just in Texas, it the, the existence of the Panama, the Panama ships, the widening of the Panama Canal put pressure on port infrastructure all along the Atlantic seaboard and all along the Gulf Coast. Everybody's ports had to get deeper to handle these bigger ships that were bringing in uh, containers from the Pacific, from Japan and China and coming through the Panama Canal and delivering goods. That's a huge deal. And this LNG uh, export uh, industry, uh, I think it was 2015, the year that you guys founded Copri, that the United States lifted the export ban on oil and gas from the United States. Typically, we used not to send that stuff overseas, but we do now. And what you're seeing along the Texas coast in the Port of Brownsville in Corpus Christi with the Harbor Island project that the Port of Corpus Christi is pursuing uh, and just came to resolution with the city of Port Aransas. So it looks like that project's getting a little further along. Wow. And uh, deepening and widening of channels. I mean, the, the it's stunning to me that the port of Corpus Christi is considering and the Corps of Engineers is considering taking that port at that channel to 80 feet uh, with an overjudge to 85 feet. This is these are massive things, uh, Joseph. Um, and in your profession, it's got to be a bit of a challenge for you as a community of engineers to go, man, how are we going to handle uh, this kind of infrastructure upgrade that is demanded of us? How does it feel to be in that spot? Uh, overwhelming at times, but, uh, you know, we break it down into small pieces and work with them as we go. 
but you know our waterways are are vital to our our, our ports and our, you know otherwise our landside <clears throat> infrastructure is doesn't really function all that well so if we can't get the ships in you know we don't have our our marine highways so to speak then you know we're not going to be moving goods uh in and out the ports which is drastically important for the for this region um to, to keep our economy moving. Well, and the whole it's the whole global economy as we saw with COVID. I mean, every though with COVID we've seen actually Peter we've we encountered this with podcast microphones, which of course are being manufactured overseas in Asia somewhere, and you just can't find them here in the states. Uh, yeah. At least the ones that we like to get. So, uh, you know, it's there's no question that our entire global economy has been based on moving goods around the globe and the the best way to make it cheaper is to make the boats bigger and and move more stuff per trip and that means that our ports are increasingly needing to be expanded to accommodate bit larger and larger vessels it means that the waterways are also going to need to be expanded that the anchorages and turning areas need to be expanded And there's just not, you know, these places were never really intended, but, you know, going back 50 years ago or even 100, you know, there was no, in any way, there was no uh, vision that we would be here. No. I mean, this is just, this would be totally sci-fi to somebody. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Galveston Bay. What's the, Chris, the average depth of Galveston Bay, about, you know, six to eight feet, less than 10, isn't it? It's not very deep, that's for sure. And, you know, and and yet through the middle of that bay is a 55 foot federal channel that's about to get bigger and wider. Uh, And and this is what I always like about coastal issues is the fact that uh, Galveston Bay is where you take your kids fishing. Uh, There's commercial uh, oystermen operating. So it's it's basically a farm field in some sense. It's a recreational area and it's a massive highway. That serves the fourth uh, largest port in the U.S. and uh, and it's just one of the things that's interesting to me about uh, the coastal zone is uh, it's a little bit like if you put a bunch of farm and and parked land on the median on I-35 between the north and the south lanes. I mean, this is what it is. I mean, this is a major transportation corridor, but it's also where we all go play and go fish and go collect food. And it's in the same physical space. I just think that's one of the challenges of coastal engineering and coastal management. No doubt about it. And I just, I'm I'm curious to know, I mean, this is a non-engineers question, but like when when we're talking about these new bigger projects, I mean, we could look at the coastal spine, for example, as just a an example project, but we could, you know, we could even break it down into an individual piece, take the channel. To me, when I think about deepening the channel, I mean, boy, we've already got it down 50. Is it really that different to go an extra 30? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. Don't like, know. Jo- Joseph, would you would you talk to this a bit about the the impacts of scale on the the engineering of it? I mean, does it change the math? Does it change the the way that you would do it from an engineer's perspective? Uh, it certainly has effects to it. I mean, the, what we find when you want to deepen the channel, like say, let's say the Houston Ship Channel in that regard, is that it's the it's the kind of a cascade of effects that we see on surrounding infrastructure or surrounding islands and that sort of thing. So you know, we only have so much width in certain areas, and so 
it, it's it's more of a well what do we do to protect so we don't disrupt something else adjacent to the channel to get to that depth right. um, but yeah i mean from an engineering point of view and the, the other thing is you got to do some modeling uh of the ships coming in and out and how how they behave and making sure that you know when you come around a certain turn and radius you got to you got to model how that ship's going to maneuver and do you have enough room and with different environmental conditions applied to it. Ah, see, it's more complicated than you think. It always is. It, it There is. It I is. mean, the, the ship wake issue to be totally, it's a bigger ship, bigger wake. They're, they're, they're meaningful. Uh, Chris, this is one of the things I appreciate. And Chris and I have worked together over the years. So I full disclosure to the audience, Chris and I've been professionally connected for many years and one of the things I like about uh, engineers who have a sensitivity to the broader implications of their project designs and have a skill in understanding and connecting to the environmental considerations that are involved in every single coastal project. Uh, Chris, can you talk about that from your professional experience? Uh, I always wondered, like, when engineers are in college, do they think they're really going to end up learning a whole lot about, you know, sandpipers and plovers and all of this stuff? And is, is uh, are, you know, because they do, the engineers have to handle environmental issues all the time now. What was that like, so Chris, it, for you? It, it's a great question. Uh, and coastal engineers, in my opinion, are, are very fortunate in that our, our day jobs require us to be on a beach somewhere. So even a bad day in the field is, is usually better than a day in the office. Um, and one of the things that you notice, most coastal engineers, coastal types, coastal scientists, they tend to enjoy being out on the coast and enjoying the recreational and the natural benefits of the coastlines. So as an engineer that enjoys being on the coast, ultimately the way that we approach our designs is one that protects the existing beauty and the natural aesthetic in the area surrounding our projects that we want to provide both a a good project that, that meets the design objectives but do it in the most environmentally friendly way possible and that's one of the the reasons that we have shifted to a nationally to a, an engineering with nature model um, using natural and nature based solutions moving from from hard structures where possible to the gray green solutions and in some cases where possible just going to living shorelines or just um, habitat wetland restoration creation projects uh, and we're finding more and more benefits associated with how you put those green projects those those green gray projects into place over the long term provide a, a much higher ability to absorb the episodic impacts from high intensity storms um, as effectively as some of the harder structures and in some cases mm. even more effectively. Wow. So it, it, the way that we are thinking through the projects now is, is much more sophisticated and, it, and it's taking the, the full environmental spectrum into account early, usually in the design phase, so that we can get the environmental considerations handled and managed inside of the engineering design solutions uh, collaboratively, so so that we're building projects that that everyone can agree are are generally net positive for what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you know it's one of the things that I would say in the 25 years I've worked on coastal issues in a variety of uh, roles is to see that become more central to uh, understanding coastal issues and attacking them and coming up with design solution is a is a true integration of the environmental considerations and the use of 
green infrastructure or living shoreline projects. And Chris, we all got to watch the Corps of Engineers in the Galveston District go through the process of defining uh, the Ike Dyke project, which became the Coastal Spine Project, and, and went through a couple of iterations in that early planning and watched the emergence of environmental investment in oyster reefs and wetlands and shoreline living shoreline components Absolutely. of that project. It was stunning. And, you know, it, it happened because the engineering community has, has evolved, uh, I think, in the last 10, 20 years, and the public has become more actively engaged. Uh, and I think, it's a, it, I think it's a great thing in the profession. And one of the reasons I like the Copri model is because you guys are integrating the multiple disciplines involved in these projects, it really sets the stage for better thinking, I think, and, and better project planning. I agree. And just really quickly, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. We're running ASPN University, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. and our kickoff is all about engineering oh, yeah. with nature. Uh, on, let's see, this show will come out, episode two will be out, but week one we did, it was all about the benefits of oysters. I believe mangroves are what's up next. Yeah. Uh, we've got one on, probably we have a couple other. I can't think of them off the top of my head. But the point is that these are, these are graduate students at Oregon State University they got to pick what they and they they engineering with nature is at like the top of their list in terms yeah. of priorities at that level. Yeah. So clearly the the paradigm has shifted. Yeah. And that's really I mean, that's fascinating to me. I mean, it is. It, I think it's great. I think I think fellas like Orville Magoon would be real proud to see that transition. Right. Of course. The old legends. <laughs> the old guys. Uh, but I, I think that, you know. Uh, Chris and Joseph, I think that the voice of Copri is important in the future of coastal planning along the American shoreline. It's great to see the national chapter list that you laid out that really is on all of the coast. looks like there should be an Oregon chapter. It looks like there should be a Washington state chapter, but it's pretty dang complete. Uh, but I really hope that there's a chance that we can continue to have the voice of Copri involved in the American shoreline podcast network because uh, it's a desperately needed discussion, and I can tell you, Tyler and I have been looking for more than a, I, I, since we started, we have had the goal of wanting to have a coastal technical engineering podcast on ASPN, and it's really hard to find that, because engineers, uh, like, like a lot of scientists, uh, community, they're not, you know, it's not the, it's not the favorite thing, is to do the, the public and they're busy they're, and they're busy. busy as hell, but uh, maybe it's Copri that can fill the gap with us. Uh, I'd love I'm that. Ho I'm hoping. Um, I'll put our plug in there that re reach out to anyone at the Texas chapter. Any, any one of us can can get more information to anyone that would like it. Um, we're pretty accessible. Um, we're like I said, we're kind of a grassroots group, so we, we pick up the phone when it rings. Well, uh, Chris, if uh, closing thoughts from you, and then Joseph, closing thoughts, and don't forget tell our audience how to learn more about Copri and ASCE, and to keep track of you guys and what you're working on. Okay, yeah, just uh, just a closing thought is that you know. We're we're here in, we're here in Texas, and we're we have a wide range of disciplines that we work through with with Coast Ocean Ports and Rivers Institute, and and like it's mentioned previously, we are underneath the umbrella of ASCE. But if you'd like to be a Copri only member, uh, that membership is available too at a reduced rate than the normal ASCE rate. So um, lots of benefits with the Copri only membership. You know, you get access to some of our technical uh, documents that have been produced and. Uh, staying in contact and various networking type opportunities available. But go ahead, Chris. 
Um, I, I think my takeaway that, that I would like to leave y'all with is that we like we like everyone to be involved. We like a very broad communication base. We like scientists. We like students. We like engineers. We like managers. I, anyone who has a, a a true interest in the coast has a place at Copri. Um, we've got a, a, a big umbrella that we can fall under, um, and we try and pull it all together so that we're being interactive across disciplines. Um, so we're, we're very interested in in finding people that have those interests and, and then helping them develop them and, and find a way to lead those those projects, to lead those ideas. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for being on the American Shoreline podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is Joseph Scarborough, who is the president of the Texas Copri chapter and a project manager with the Jacobs Engineering Group in Houston, and joined by the vice president of the Texas chapter, Chris Weber, who is a coastal engineer with uh, Anchor QEA, two fine firms who uh, help keep the American shoreline running in top form. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for introducing our audience to Copri. Thank you, Peter. You're thank welcome. you, Tyler. Yeah, thanks for having us.